0: Hi, welcome to Pigeon Post, this is Michael and I am just going to do a little bit of driving here, going to the store to get a couple things, kind of a weird day, just didn't go to work today, Um, you know, doing some stuff, trying to figure out things. You know, not the easiest stuff, Um, and I think that kind of relates to a verse that I wanted to talk about. So um, there's a verse in Proverbs 27 that says, uh, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And then I think there's another um, translation that says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So this idea that it's kind of a faithful thing sometimes to be wounded, um, and that you can trust that what a, what a friend is doing, um, if they're really a friend, more than you can trust uh, kisses from an enemy. And um, I think that the other translation says that the kisses are deceitful. So it kind of goes ahead and interprets it. But that, that is what the verse uh, is saying, I believe. Um, you know, I think that we have this idea that the goal of life is, um, is just to love everybody as much as possible. And I, I think that's, that's great. It's the second greatest commandment, right? The first greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And so those two things can't conflict because Jesus said that they were like each other and God wouldn't have us breaking one commandment to keep another. And so if we are loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, then we are in the best position to love others as we would love ourselves and um so I think we have to ask you know well, a couple of questions right like am I really loving the way that God has defined love right um not just mere niceness so I think that's the first issue that we encounter is that people um and I'll include myself as well we elevate niceness you know we we say oh that person is so nice and then I do it all the time so I'm not I'm not necessarily criticizing it I just think we have to have a context you know like um that being nice is a great thing right being considerate of others is a great thing um but also uh you know we have to be careful like how we define that and interpret that you know that changes over time you know um we've gotten to be um I'd say just as a human race in general, just very... uh, How would you say it? I don't really want to use the word triggered, but it's... we have a hair trigger, right? Like, we... just any little thing, and I'm the same way, and that's why I know that it's true. Um, I'm very, very cautious in how I talk to people. Especially at my job and, you know, out in public, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be rude to people for multiple reasons, but just for the mere fact that, that they have, that we as people have our, have kind of a hair trigger, you know? Um, I don't remember really being that way when I was younger growing up. You just kind of knew that, you know, yeah, you know, some people are kind of grumpy and but you didn't think of it like like take everything personally, you know? Um, Anyway, I've gone off on a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I'd I'd ask you just like, how do you define niceness? And even if you get to a definition of niceness, is that really, niceness, is that really what it means to love somebody, you know? Um, I can tell you that my kids don't always think that I'm nice, but if I'm loving them sometimes i have to correct them sometimes i have to correct them harshly you know i have to have a tone in my voice or they'll think that i'm joking um they have to get some kind of punishment or something like that um and they're not gonna like that thing and you're not supposed to like it right so it it really boils down to context and so i'll have to get more specific here because of course this I'm thinking this for a reason, you know, and, and part of the reason is that I think, you know, when I post things on social media, um, and I think some of us would be like, "Well, just stop posting things on social media." All right, okay, that's number one. I don't think that's valid. I mean, social media is a way, a form of communication, and the pandemic, and especially my way of life, you know, as a mold avoider, uh, is just kind of demands that I have interactions and friends through social media. I mean, um, so if I post something on social media about, um, you know, let's just say this, some pastor says something that's just like really crazy and, um, against the gospel, you know? And so, um, I post something about that, or let's say I post something about how abortion is wrong, um, or something like that. And, um, I think there's two things that we need to look at there. Number one, I think we're so kind of inoculated against wanting to see anything that, that comes off as negative. Right. But there's a positive side too. And maybe I need to, to work on showing the positive side too. And I, I think I have worked on that. You know, I post stuff about the gospel, you know, I post stuff about babies being saved and, you know, uh, that we're going to be aborted and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I try to post positive things, even about candidates that I criticize or, or what have you. Uh, but I don't want to get into political things right now. But I think that's the first question we ask ourselves: Do I just not like this post because it's negative by nature? Like negative doesn't mean bad, and and so I think that we've we've been kind of inoculated against that. You know, like a fire exit is a negative thing, right? <laughs> It's telling you, hey, if there's a fire, you need to leave. Wow, that's really negative. That's like two negative things, right? You're telling me there's gonna be a fire, and then you're telling me I need to leave, right? But a fire exit is like one of the most loving things that can exist, right? A building without a fire exit would be, like we would want that person who designed that building to go to prison, right? You can't have a building without a fire exit. And so I think you have to define, like, what is love? And I think you have to use Jesus and the New Testament writings to define what that is. And so getting down to specifics, like, pointing out false teachers is a loving thing to do. We know that it's a loving thing to do because Paul did it. uh, Because Jesus did it. Um, if, If you think that Jesus was just Mr. Nice Guy, I would encourage you to read the Gospels again any one of the Gospels and see if you come away thinking Jesus was Mr. Nice Guy, right? Now, yes, Jesus condescended even by coming to the earth. He condescended to us. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant. Um, But he also came preaching a gospel of repentance, right? He, He began his ministry preaching the same thing that John the Baptist preached. And they both called out vipers, right? They both mm-hmm. called out Pharisees, and I think we have to we have to keep that in mind like uh, You know when a false teacher is being called out or even a false religion Maybe I haven't made this clear enough um, But I think if you listen to my old podcast like on Catholicism and stuff I think it's pretty clear, right? Do I think Catholics are gonna like my podcast? No. Do I think they're gonna think that it's nice No, they probably won't. But am I as loving as I can possibly be while telling them the truth? Yes, okay? Like, Jesus is the great physician, okay? Wounds from a friend can be trusted, okay? What I'm trying to do is not to wound my friends, but to deliver the truth to them. And if it does wound, you know, my kids don't like it when I have to pour peroxide on their cut right? But I pour peroxide on their cup because I love them, you know. Um, You could go with many different examples that we do to protect our kids and even to protect each other from things. You know, I might yell at at one of my kids because they're about to go out in the street and they might start crying because I yelled at them. But I saved their life, you know, because if they're running for something that's going to be dangerous, I don't really care if they get scared I want them to stop you know and so there's a responsibility on my end to not be overly harsh but to be as gentle as possible which is one reason why I do podcasts because I think you can hear my voice and and in a, in a Facebook comment you can't really hear my voice right um, and I think that helps hopefully it helps um, so yeah <sighs> As we're, as we're going about doing life and as we're, as we're pointing out things, you know, like we could have a friend that um, is just sort of trapped in a certain religion or under the teaching of somebody who doesn't preach the gospel. And I think the tendency would be just to let that friend, like, you do you, you know, that's cool. I'm just going to love you and pray for you, but I'm not going to say anything to you. But that would be disobedient to Christ. Like, Remember, the Great Commission is not just about sharing the Gospel. The Great Commission is to go out and to teach people from every nation to obey everything that Jesus taught. Go back and read the Great Commission. Maybe you haven't read it in a while. It really struck me when this was pointed out to me that Jesus doesn't say in the Great Commission, just go love everybody and feed the homeless. Yes, we should. Yes, there are parables about that that say that we're not going to get into the kingdom if we don't do stuff like that. Yes, I agree with that 100%. However, the Great Commission is about making disciples, which are learners. And I will say this, I want to ask you, like, don't you, you know, people that might say, well you have a responsibility to be overly gentle, uh, you know, and not so direct. Okay, well first of all, if I am not direct, then I'm not being honest and truthful about the problem, right? Like I will look you in the eye if 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 we need to have this conversation, right? And I will tell you the Pope is an Antichrist. Not the Antichrist, okay? In some kind of, you know, um, in time sense. But the Pope is an Antichrist as defined in 1st John, okay? And I'm not here to defend that thesis in this conversation, but I'm happy to do that. What I'm saying is like if I don't tell you that, right, if you're a friend and you're a Catholic and I don't tell you that the Pope is an Antichrist teaching a false gospel and that all the priests are also guilty of teaching a false gospel. Okay, that doesn't mean that I'm condemning every Catholic, okay? But what it does mean is I want you out of that system just like I would want sheep out of a pen that had wolves in it, right? If there were wolves in the sheep pen, you would want to either get the wolves out or to get the sheep out, right? And you might push the sheep out, you know? You might yell at the sheep, you know? Gently nudging the sheep might work, right? But like, I have friends who just will not, will not listen, you know? And I don't yell at them, but I'm just saying like, you have to get more direct and more direct and to the point and try to prove this until people either do one of two things. They say, look, I'm not gonna listen to you anymore. I'm gonna mute you on Facebook. I'm not interested in what you have to say. I'm not gonna return your text. And I have friends like that who will not return my text if it has anything to do with Catholicism because they're not interested in changing. Well, if I just leave them alone forever, right? I might wait months, maybe years, right? But I will keep trying. I'm never going to stop trying. I'm never going to write you off. Because I love you. you. You might not realize that you're a sheep in a wolf pen. Now let me ask you this. Would you do the same for me? Would you wound me in order to save my life? I hope so. Because if you wouldn't, you're not a friend. And I can say this because when I was in my 20s, I had very few people that would tell me the truth in my life. I do think I had a few, but honestly, looking back, I wish they would have been more direct than they were. But so many people were just willing to let me continue in my narcissism and my sin in my twenties, and to basically prove, you know, that I that I was not with Christ. Um, why didn't those people? Step into my life directly and wound me. I wish they would have. I really wish they would have. So what I can say is, like, if you have a friend that's going to get divorced, you know, without just cause, wound that friend. Wound them as gently as you can. But tell them that this is not the will of God. It is dreadful sin. If you have a friend who's stuck in Catholicism, or Mormonism, or under the false teaching of a prosperity teacher, or anything like that, wound that person. Do whatever you can do. I'm not saying to physically hurt that person. You understand this, right? I'm not saying to yell at that person, or to be mean to that person. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, tell them the truth in the most direct or gentle way that you can, right? Just Tear off the band-aid and say, look, you need some peroxide on that wound. Um, you know, if that means that they block you and, you know, unfriend you. I mean, I've had family members, they don't, they know they'll never see me in person again because of what we, the way we have to live, right? Me and my family. They know they'll never see me in person again. And they just delete me on Facebook because they don't like what I'm saying. Because I'm, I'm telling them something that they don't want to hear, right? Now look, this whole thing is not a justification of everything that I feel like saying. Sometimes I post things and I'm like,, eh, I don't know, and I'll go back and delete it. or um, I'll post things and uh, I'll give you an example, not a I'll make it I'll try to make this example vague so I don't hurt anybody's feelings. but there's some things I post about, and I know that it relates to like old churches that I went to. Uh, back home and I post it because I think it's important but then like if somebody from that old church likes the post um, then I might delete the post because I'm not are they to the comment on it you know like I'm not trying to start like some kind of thing at a church I wouldn't want to start it anywhere and I didn't you know when I was there but what I'm saying is like I try not to stir up things like that But guys, I'll tell you, I've had, like, old pastors unfriend me. I've had, um, family members and friends. Friends who probably mute me or unfollow me, like, completely. Because, you know, like, I used to get, like, a lot of likes on pictures of my kids. Now I get, like, ten likes. you're like, dang. (laughs) I know I have, like, a hundred family members who are friends. And, like, ten people like this picture. Like... Uh, Of my kids, you know, does that mean like they they're not seeing it or they're just refusing to like it? Um, I mean Social media is weird. It is weird But anyway, I guess I'll close out this first uh, Session and I think I'll try another one uh, When I'm on my way back uh, Where I'll talk about um, uh, What just a little conversation I had with some Mormons in Walmart um, the other day. And, uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, but you know, if we don't love people, we're not going to tell them the truth, right? Those things have to go together. So if you have friends, be willing to wound them and don't be an enemy to them by multiplying kisses. Uh, we'll be back in a second. Hey, welcome back so I am waiting outside of Chipotle right now and um, I wanted to just share something so I asked on Facebook uh, just amongst my friends right like what their thoughts were on Proverbs 27 6 which I quoted earlier um, faithful are the wounds of friends but an enemy multiplies kisses or you can trust the wounds of a friend but the um, kisses of an enemy are deceitful that kind of thing and um, I had a comment that said the truth and truth and grace characterize authentic friends so and then uh, that person also said neither of those things characterize enemies so I think that's important right truth and grace like if I'm your friend like I'm not just gonna come at you all the time, right? I'm going to um, like love you, hang out with you. Now it's hard right now because not only is it like a social social media thing, you know, um, that can cause trouble when you're trying to share truth that way. Uh, but I don't see anybody, you know, like I don't see any of my friends. We move states. Um, you know, COVID has restricted even the newer friends that I have, um, and you just you are just kind of isolated. So I think it's hard because, um, you know, you're trying to come across with a certain tone, and uh, that tone's not always understood online. You know, and um, you know, I mean, I, this is not a self-justification. I think that. You know, there have been a lot of times when I haven't needed to say something, you know, like, does something really need to be said? Um, but kind of like I said in the first part, I think that things like this do need to be said, you know? And um, I don't want to just take an isolated incident, you know, because of something that's going on now on social media. You know, there was a time when, you know, a friend converted to Catholicism and I met with that friend face-to-face not over just that issue but another thing in their life and as far as I can judge myself I was being as loving as I could possibly be Um, we had email exchanges you know with a third friend um, and then it just kind of turned into not wanting to talk about it anymore you know Or maybe you can talk about it until you make a definitive statement, you know? And then when I would get to that point of making a definitive statement, like, no, this is wrong. It's not just that I disagree with you and we can live and let live, that kind of thing. But this is wrong, like it's really wrong. Um, And that's hard, you know? So even putting the social media thing aside, you know, when you're face to face with friends and they still just don't want to hear what you have to say, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about Catholicism especially, but it's a real sticking, but it, it really could be any tradition, you know? There's just, like, I think you so identify with that tradition um, that you're not willing to question it at all. Like, you think that it's it's bearing all this fruit in your life That you're not willing to question it you know Um, but I think that's what the Bible is there for right is to correct us um, and to to train us and to make us see like what is Jesus really like Um, if you think about it this way um, if we were to just kind of let each other just go off into whatever direction we we drift Um, and just love each other and and define that love kind of as, like, you know, I'll do me, you do you. You know, I'm not going to criticize anything. Like, define it as completely non-critical. Right? Um, Then we wouldn't... None of us would really know Jesus. Right? Like, we wouldn't know uh, what he's all about because we're here to to teach and help each other so I'll just say to anyone listening to this like I don't think I have all the answers I know I don't have all the answers but when the gospel changed my life I went from a person who who was explaining his own sin away by looking you know just kind of ignoring but also trying to think about scripture in ways that kind of explained my own sin away I went from that and really not caring you know who's who was associated with what. I just wanted to go to a cool church that had cool artwork and that kind of, you know, cool music. That was all I I cared about, you know, if I even went to church, you know. I went from that to actually being really concerned with with doctrine and truth because I want to know God. I don't want to know, you know, this idea of God, somebody's idea of God. I actually want to know God. And, um, I had this moment like, oh, I don't know, six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. I don't even remember where I just kind of broke down and it it was, I don't know. I don't have a lot of those kind of emotional experiences, but just kind of the thing. I I don't want to go into detail about it because, you know, I, I don't want to justify things through emotional experiences but I'll just say that the core of it was that I wanted to know God that life really isn't worth living unless I really know God and teach my kids to know God like that's really all I want I wouldn't plan on talking about that (laughs) but maybe God's just kind of reminding me hey you said all you really wanted was to know me is that enough because um, things are hard right now. They're really hard. Anyway, I gotta walk into Chipotle and get our food, Um, and then uh, I'll be back to kind of share the story about talking to Mormons at Walmart. So, stick around. All right, it's story time. (laughs) So, uh, I was at Walmart and um it's interesting i feel like i haven't been sharing the gospel as much as i used to and i asked for opportunities and um i'm trying to remember i think there was another opportunity that i had recently but i can't remember uh but this one just kind of fell in my lap and um I remember being at Walmart not too long ago and passing by a few Mormon guys, and just I think I was in a hurry. I had to get back for my lunch break or something. Um, but also, you know, I kind of just didn't want to say anything. You know, um, it just makes me nervous. You know, I, mean, I know that I come off uh, to some people like I look for confrontation. Uh, I really don't. <laughs> I really uh, when I'm you know, talking to somebody, usually my heart's beating really fast, and it's this thing, like, I know I have to say something, you know, um, but I'm nervous about it, um, so anyway, just a little insight into what's going on in in Michael's heart, but, uh, so these guys, who knows, it may have been the same two guys, I don't know, they're, uh, Mormons call themselves missionaries, uh, when they're, like, early 20s, 1920 something like that. Um they go on this 2-year mission. I believe it's 2 years. And they go somewhere all over the world, really. They could go be sent anywhere. I think they're just they go wherever they're told to go. And um I've talked to many of these young guys and I know that, you know, it's a time when they're expected to be really strong in their faith and really nice and um I've talked to them hours and hours um, back in Houston. Um, we since then I've talked to a few, you know, not a ton. Um, uh, what's funny is I have these like Mormon tracks, like tracks for Mormons, you know, like showing them the real gospel. Uh, I've never given one out. <laughs> I got them like a year, year and a half ago. And they're in the back of my car, and I am just i just keep thinking, I'm going to run into some Mormons and get these out, you know, and uh, ne- never have I given one out. But, um, so that's funny. Uh, tracks. Man, that's a whole other episode. I want to kind of start using them, and I, maybe I'll tell you, like, how they, how they work for me. But I haven't really used them very much. Um, but anyway, so these guys were checking out in Walmart, like, right beside me. Like, they pull up right beside me in the self-checkout. And I'm like, dang it. God, you know, I don't, kind of don't want to do this. Uh, but then I was also kind of excited to do it. Uh, but, you know, you it's kind of like you never know what to say, you know. I often feel like, and I know a lot of people that share the gospel say this, like you feel like Moses, like you don't know how to talk, you know, like you're like, God, I don't know what to say. I know you want me to say something, like give me something. And I think that that's a good place to be. You know, I don't think it's a very good place to be, to have a memorized thing that you say and do every time. You know, but to really just like try to listen to the Holy Spirit, and and see if God brings Scripture to the mind. Um, now, one of the main things, you know, I think with Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, sometimes we lump them into the same category, and we can like just you know talk about the deity of Christ and the Trinity, which those are actually really hard things to talk about um you know it took the church years to kind of i'm not saying the church's doctrine changed it did not but it, it took the church years you know to draw those lines um and i think it's really hard for just the average person to be like you know this is what this means this is what that means and here's the greek and, um so i'm not saying you can't discuss that of course but I tried, I tried to think of the most simple thing I could because I knew I didn't have time for a two-hour conversation. In fact, this lasted about two minutes. So what happened was, I was like, all right, God, I'm saying something. Uh, and so I thought about the fact that, and this is something that's, this is kind of what came, has come out of all the conversations that I've had with Mormons. Out of all the conversations, hours and hours, that I've had with Mormons at my door or at, you know, wherever I've seen them, and stopped and talked to them. Um, one time, I pulled over. I saw him walking down the road. I pulled over and had like an hour-long conversation uh, with them. <laughs> but because uh, I love them, I love these guys. I mean, like it's not that I hate Mormons. I love Mormons. I want these guys to open their eyes to the truth. And uh, if you've never seen it, there's I don't know what it's called. I'll have to report it on the next one if I find it, but. There's a documentary about this this guy who goes on Mormon mission and basically Christ saves him while he's on that mission and he has to get out of the Mormon church. But his whole family gets saved too and I think his mom, I want to say her name is Lynn something with a B maybe. Um, I think she writes a book about it, uh, something like that. But there are people that have been saved out of Mormonism, right? So anyway, I'm like, God... I don't know. But what I've been thinking about with Mormons mainly is the fact that they're polytheistic. And I think I've shared this on the podcast before that I had a, a Christian club at uh, this high school I was at in Texas. I wasn't part of the Christian club. I wanted to be part of the Christian club. I saw their posters, so I wanted to go sponsor them as a teacher, you know, or be at least participate. So I started participating. I found out the guy that, the teacher that was sponsoring them was a Mormon and and the girls didn't it was mainly led by girls which that's another issue right like where's where's the guys you know coming to the club but anyway they didn't see a problem with it it was it it was this thing but anyway um, I think they ended up appreciating you know what I did in the end but I don't think they really understood that it was a problem uh, that that Mormonism is different you know Um, Anyway, I had a conversation with this guy and it sort of precipitated me being able to be the sponsor and him kind of bowing out. But the whole conversation was basically this, like, are you a monotheist? Are you a polytheist? And it took me a while to get him to admit that he was a polytheist, right? That he didn't just believe in God, the Father. He also believed in Heavenly Mother. And he believed that they've had offspring. And Jesus is one of those offspring. And so is Lucifer. And so Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. And so it's not that they don't believe in the deity of Christ. It's that they believe in the deity of everybody, including the devil and you and me and everybody. And what we have to do as men, according to the Mormon gospel, men and women, uh, is to basically work our way up into exaltation. We are trying, I think their tagline, uh, one of their guys said is... um, that what God was is what we are and what God is is what we can become or something like that. I'm paraphrasing, but basically you can participate in your own exaltation and get your own offspring and basically become like what God is now. Have your own planet, so to speak. Um, that's Mormonism and, uh, and they know it. And so, uh, here's what I did and I've only got about five minutes. Um, Uh, to to finish this podcast, but I I, I looked up Isaiah, I think it's 43.10, might not be, might be 42.10, I don't know. But it says, um, uh, I am God and there is no other. Before me there there was no God formed and none after me. So basically it's this passage, so if you just kind of Google that phrase, it'll pop up. It says, God is saying, in Isaiah, That he is God, there is no other, there was none before him and none after him. And that's exactly the opposite of what Mormonism teaches. So I pulled that up on my phone, Isaiah 4310. I didn't even know what the passage was. I just typed in that phrase because I knew that phrase. And Google found it for me. And I pulled it up on a Bible app. And I said, hey guys, could you read this? And so they're looking at my phone and they're reading it. And it's kind of a long verse. There's some other things about us being witnesses. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I love Isaiah. You know, Mormons are very positive people. I love Isaiah. That's great. And I was like, yeah, but what does it say at the end? And so they read it at the end. And uh, they're like, yeah. And so they're just kind of looking at me and nodding their head and saying, yeah. And I'm like, but are you guys monotheist or polytheist? This is a very short conversation. Showed them the verse. They read it. They didn't have any response to it. I guess they didn't see the immediate problem. Um, and I said, but are you guys monotheists or polytheists? And the guy said, well, that was a, that's a really good question. And I said, well, you're polytheist, right? Because you don't believe that there's just God. Now, he tried to kind of... I think he thought I wanted to talk about the Trinity. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is bigger than the Trinity. Uh, not literally, by the way. There's nothing bigger than God. But what I mean is... This is more basic than the Trinity. It's not the fact that we need to argue over the nature of God. It's the fact that there's just one, right? And so I told him, I was like, look, I've talked to many Mormons, and I said, the, th- the issue I have is, you guys go tell people, you know, go door to door and you tell people your stuff, but you don't tell them that you're polytheist. I was like, that should be the first thing that should be out of your mouth, is that you're polytheistic. You believe that there's many gods there's gods before this God. There'll be gods after this God. And you can be God yourself. I said, you guys, I think you should lead with that when you tell people what you're all about. Because I think a lot of people would be afraid of that. I think they would run away from that. Um, because if there's anything that the Bible teaches, it teaches that there's only one God. And... Um, And I think their their response was, "Yeah, we we can be like God." And I said, "Yeah, that's what the devil said. The devil said you can be like God." And so that was kind of the end of the conversation. I don't I don't think they were upset. I think actually I think I gave them something to think about. That's a that's an example where like I don't have time to like, especially with COVID, right? Normally I would invite them out, you know, for lunch or something, and I would you know have a drink, have a you know. I want to say coffee, but they don't drink coffee. I would, you know, have an ice cream or something with them, right, and talk to them for a while. But I was like, you know what, God? Let me just plant a seed here, right, and just kind of say, hey, you know, this is basic. You know, what are you, what are you doing? And 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 let God do the rest. And so that's what that's what happened. That was the conversation at Walmart with uh, with the Mormons. So, um, I just wanted to share that and I am back to deliver Chipotle to my family. And so I hope you're enjoying something tasty pretty soon. Thanks for listening to Pigeon Post. And uh, remember that you can email me at pigeonpost2019 at gmail.com, pigeonpost2019 at gmail.com. I'm so glad that I didn't wait and do Pigeon Post 2020 because then it would have all the bad implications of 2020. So uh, send me an email. Let me know what you think. And thanks for listening. God bless. Bye.